Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the show for fundraisers who want ideas and a little dose of inspiration to help you enjoy your job and raise more money, especially during the pandemic. Today, I'm sharing the second half of my conversation with Hannah Carter, who's the managing director of Ensemble Reza, which is a wonderful music charity based in Sussex in the south of England. Hannah is a member of our Brightspot Members Club, and as such, I've been fortunate to have various fascinating chats with her in the last 15 months during the COVID pandemic. In episode 57 of this podcast, Hannah explained how, as a small music charity, having to cancel all their events in March 2020, presented her and her colleagues with a massive gut-wrenching challenge. How on earth, she wondered, would they keep their little organisation afloat? She went on to share some of the things they did to adapt, finding fabulous ways to add value to their supporters during the pandemic. In so doing, they transformed the impact they make and doubled their fundraising income compared to the previous year. In this, the second half of our conversation, Hannah and I talk about a range of things, including storytelling, creativity, and being bold. Whether or not you work for an arts charity, I think you're going to enjoy listening to these examples of how Hannah has responded to her challenges. And so, Hannah, it sounds like there have been so many examples of, of, of you making a difference and some of that's coming through in the feedback you, you get. Could you, does an example spring to mind of um, some feedback coming in that you just thought, oh my goodness, we've really made a difference there? Uh, do you know, Rob, there's been so much. There's, yeah, I, I think it's really true. I've, I've had so much feedback that I can see that our concerts were clearly, um, re, you know, reducing isolation and loneliness. But there's one story that always springs to mind. Um, um, uh, one lady said that she cycles, I think it's probably about 12 miles each week to see her mum. And this is when, you know, lockdown was it last sort of March, April time where you couldn't go into people's houses. Um, and so she'd cycle over to her mum's house and through the window, they would watch our midday music concert together. And she'd also get her sister, I think it was, who was in South Africa, to also um, to listen at the same time. And the three of them would listen to this concert and then she'd cycle home again. Um, but they just, they, they found it was their one way of kind of connecting. And I just love that story of the fact that they were all getting together to connect. So, you know, the sense of well-being, she was going out outside, exercising as well. Um, was a really, really, really special one that really cheered up my day. But, um, you know, it just, there have just been so many. I mean, somebody emailed me and said, you know, I didn't normally, I wouldn't normally listen to classical music, but hey, I've started listening and I'm really enjoying it, you know. Um, and and people saying, you know, your music transports us to a better place. Um, a lot of people have said, actually, in a week, it gives us something to look forward to, which I, I've had a lot, a lot of that. Um, and it's nice to be able to now offer a range of programmes. You know, actually, some people's weeks can be really busy with all the stuff that we've got on offer. Wow. Amazing stories, Hannah. I, I, this is such powerful stuff. And I can see how sharing on some of this feedback uh, when you're talking to other funders truly um, helped to make a difference as well. One of the things that various charities have found a way to do is in amongst the the very clear disadvantage and challenge that COVID has brought, they've they've somehow searched and found opportunities and advantages. And actually, this whole story is an example of that. But I wonder if there's a specific project or initiative uh, you 
you can look back on where the door seemed to be closed. And yet when you look differently, you found a way actually to turn it into an opportunity. Yeah, I think you're right, Rob. There is there are lots of stories, but um, our community orchestra is definitely an example of that because there's been no way in the last year that I could get over 120 musicians together to rehearse. Um, and and it's such a valuable piece of work, um, you know, to have musicians of all ages together, all abilities. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful project. Um, and and we tried in the summer. We did. Um, we had, like I said, materials that we put online. We have backing tracks. We have music that people could play along with. Um, tutor videos. And I know that through um, through those that seventy people engaged. I could see that someone from Israel had joined. The people in France, all over the UK, had joined. So that was great. But I still didn't feel that we were actually connecting with our community orchestra in the way that we normally would do. Um, and by, by the autumn, I was hopeful. I thought we might be able to get people back by January. And so um, with a little bit of the cultural recovery fund that we were awarded from the Arts Council, we, we thought we'll be able to open our doors in January and possibly have small groups rehearsing together again. Um, and I had a school that said, yes, you can use all our huge spaces. So we thought socially distanced, we might be able to get 30 players back. Um, and then by January, that those plans were dashed again. And I felt really sad, actually. I felt quite gloomy about it because it is just such a, a, a brilliant programme. And so, yeah, we decided to go down the Zoom route, which we had all said back in June, we're not going to do Zoom Orchestra. The idea of Zoom Orchestra was just dreadful. Um, and so back to the drawing board was to work out how on earth we could make a Zoom community orchestra work. Um, and... Um, we engaged in the end, we've engaged 12 different musicians. So every section of the orchestra has a tutor. Um, I have um, 80 people on Zoom and then I've I've mastered the, the art of breakout rooms. Um, so I'll send everyone to the different breakout rooms. And actually, Zoom community orchestra is very quiet for me because everybody is off in their own breakout rooms. I'm sitting there looking at a blank screen for most of the time. Um, but actually, I can. I have now found the way to, to float between each class and see what's going on. Um, and it's been so valuable. And I, I thought from a musical experience, this probably isn't going to work. And in fact, as tutors, we all sat down and said, you know, what are the main things we want to achieve from this? Um, and we kind of decided it was actually probably more about social. It was about getting people together again. It was about us getting our community orchestra together again and potentially getting some new members. Um, and um, yeah, and for people, a lot of people haven't got their instruments out there. Amateur musicians who have found that life gets busy even in you know COVID times and they hadn't got their instruments out. So they just needed that encouragement. So with a uh, kind of on, in some groups, we've got one tutor and maybe six musicians, which we thought was manageable. Um, and it's just given people the confidence to get their instruments out. Some people just to sit there and talk as well. Um, and it's become a, an amazing experience. And we now have um, over 70 musicians. Um, and again, they're not all local. We've got musicians from London who've joined some down further down in Brighton. Um, lots of players who said, we've never played with your orchestra, but we're going to come and do that as soon as we can properly, we'll be there. Um, and I also know, because we've reached out to the old players who've been involved, that they will definitely come back. They said, as soon as we can, we will come back, but we don't want to do it on Zoom. So I don't feel now that I've actually lost um, the community orchestra. I think it will be something very different when we can get back together again, but it will be, um, it will still be there, which is a better feeling than how I felt in January, but... 
so that's one story. But, you know, another story is actually that, um, I don't know, I think that this, this whole year has possibly made me a little bit more daring, a little bit willing to take a risk. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not usually a risk taker, to be honest. But um, so, um, yeah, back in September, we had our very first, or maybe October even, we had our very first um, paid evening concert that we did on Zoom. And again, I had no idea how this was going to work. Um, and I was really worried about how, in fact, we could entice people to come and listen and actually to be a paid audience, considering we've been offering so many free lunchtime midday music concerts. So how could this be different? Um, and we were doing um, an amazing piece of music by Schoenberg called Le Clart to Nacht. Um, um, if you don't know it, go and listen to it. It's the most beautiful tone poem, really. It's not sort of plinky plonk Schoenberg. It's very romantic Schoenberg, really beautiful. Um, and I'd heard Stephen Fry talking about this piece of music probably about five years ago, um, coming back from a workshop. And he just, it was one of his favourite pieces. I would say it was in his top ten. And I just thought, you know, it'd be amazing if we got... Stephen Fright to narrate the tone poem in our concert. How how good would that be about, you know, how cool? And um, anyway, I just thought I'm just going to give it a go. And so a friend of mine works in the world of um, publishing and had his agent's number. I dropped him an email. Um, and within a week, he'd actually recorded it and sent it back. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that I'd actually got him recording the tone poem. And again, a lot of street cred for my kids. They just thought that was amazing, you know, like... So, um, so yeah. that's um, an amazing, I mean, there's so many great things you've done this year, uh, apart from just keep plugging on, keep finding a way, you and your team just keep doing doing the work, trying different things. But um, that last little example you said this just reminds us, if you get a crazy idea, a really ambitious idea that's above our station why not go for it? And like, what's the worst that can happen? And I know, speaking to the listener, you might do your equivalent of what Hannah did, and it might not work. Doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. Who knows? Like, why shouldn't it work? So if that's one of the things you take from from this interview, I, I, I love the example, Hannah, that you you dared and you got a, a wonderful added value thing to make your, comfort, con, your, uh, your concert even better. Yeah, and you know, actually, since then, we, we actually recorded that concert and we said to Stephen Fry's agent, don't worry, we're not going to um, use the, the recording of him reading in the, the main recording. Um, and I was talking to, we're now going to get it, um, the CD produced, and I was talking to the CD producer about a month ago and he said, oh, well, it would have been good if we could have Stephen Fry's narration on the CD. And I thought, well, I could just ask again. And so I just sent them a little email and told them about the stuff that we'd done since that recording and um, how we'd use the, you know, additional donations because people could donate on top of their ticket money, how, you know, how that had helped further our work. And he came back and said, yes, you can use my recording on your CD. And I'm like, that's incredible because, you know, we are a small charity. So for us to be able to have Stephen Fry involved in a CD um, for us makes a big difference. It will make a huge difference. Um, and I think I've worked in the charity sector all my life, Rob, and I think you're absolutely right. I've always had that mantra in the back of my head. If you don't ask, you don't get. And I know sometimes it's scary, but you just have to sometimes dive in. And, and now at the moment, the, the best time to do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. And, and uh, again, I think an extra distinction is there's one thing to have the courage is another to pause and think and do it intelligently rather than just sort of send send off a t tweet or something to think 
carefully. Is there an intelligent way through? And again, you needed to have the contact, but the, to take that set, to pause and, and um, think through what's the way of maximizing my chances this might work is a, is, is a second element that goes with the, the courage to, to, to have a go and to dream. Hi, it's Rob, and I wanted to jump into the middle of this episode really quickly to tell you about something I'm so excited about, which is the way that our Bright Spot Members Club has been helping fundraisers to not only survive, but also to do really well, to raise funds so effectively during the pandemic. Through the club, our 300 members get access to a whole library of my best training films, as well as regular live coaching sessions to help you handle whatever challenges are coming at you each week. And we've also found that handling these challenges has not just been about getting the right advice or strategy, it's also been about morale. And we've found that the encouragement and help that our members get from each other has really helped them to stay positive. If you're not yet a member, but you'd like to find out more, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. That's brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. I would love to welcome you to the club do my utmost to help you succeed in your fundraising. For now though, back to the interview, as Hannah and I continue to explore examples of how she's adapted her approach. There's, there's a, one other key area I really wanted to hear a bit more about, Hannah, because I, I, I loved this when you were telling me the other day when we spoke, uh, to do with adding extra value and, and great stewardship that you were doing at Christmas time. Yeah, Christmas time. Um, yeah, you know, it was busy. Christmas was busy, despite actually not being um, in our usual concert um, season. But um, I just had an idea suddenly that I wanted to say thank you to people again. I, I think it was because we were coming to the end of the year and I felt like a, a what would be a, the best way to reach out to our audience and say thank you. And sort of mid-November, which wasn't really great planning, I thought we should do a musical advent calendar for Christmas. Um and um, we, um, and fortunately, I've got such a fantastic artistic director and a wonderful team of musicians. Everybody went, this is a brilliant idea. Yes, we can do this. Of course, we can pull this off in two weeks. Um, and I just, we asked our, you know, our core team. Um, I went back and I looked through all the archive material we got, quite a lot that I could use in the advent calendar. Um, and yeah, the, some of the visiting musicians have been involved in our midday music. Um, they came and took part. Um, we by this point we'd actually done a project with um, a special needs school that we've had a long-standing relationship with so we were able to use a little bit of the video from that project as well so it was a kind of reflection on all the work that we had achieved in the last year or achieved with some of our main groups including our community orchestra um, and and it wasn't an ask for funding it was literally just a thank you it was and to also remind people I guess to keep us in their thoughts to just remember that we, we were still around um, when normally we'd be running beautiful candlelit concerts in sort of November, December time and big, big um, sort of family and community orchestra concerts and none of that work was happening. I think I was feeling a bit sad about that. Just to be clear, in, t in terms of practicalities, <laughs> was it something someone could sign up to for free and then they'd get access to 25 clips one a day or you would just publish one thing each day in the period of Advent? How did it work? Yeah, it. you know, it took quite a bit of thinking, actually. So... Um, we put them up on our um, Facebook page. So they were there kind of in the public domain, so to speak. Um, and we also had them available on our YouTube channel so people could see them there. Um, and we do actually have, uh, like I said earlier, um, um, a weekly newsletter. 
But I also knew that it could be really irritating <laughs> to receive um, a, a daily um, advent calendar if if you didn't actually want to, yeah, if you didn't want to receive it. So um, we sent out uh, just sort of a fortnight before lots of um, regular emails to that um, to our mailing list saying, you know, if you don't want to receive it, can you opt out? So, but don't opt out from our. That was my worry that people would then opt out from the the newsletter for good. But actually, we managed. We managed to manage make it work. So. Um, so, yeah, for some people, they received it through the newsletter. Other people accessed it through the YouTube channel and the Facebook. So it, it worked, actually. Um, uh, and in fact, it did work so well. It brought in um, several thousand pounds worth of donations, which was um, something that was really unexpected. Um, but it, I just loved the way that we were reaching out to people. And I loved the emails that I got nearly every day through December. I got emails from people saying, thank you. I'm loving this. I've loved all the work you've done this year or um, you know, gosh, I remember that concert or, oh, it's the community orchestra. I've really missed them. So it was really nice to have this different feedback. It, and I think it made, which I, I then emailed onto the group. So I think it made me and the rest of the musicians feel really kind of, yeah, it, it made us feel warm during Christmas, like I said, which is the period where we cancelled a lot more, lot of work. Yes. And that's a theme I've taken from this whole conversation, Hannah, is that you and your colleagues have worked so hard to to be brave, to work hard, to be entrepreneurial, to try things outside your comfort zone and so, so on. And part of the reward, me as a fundraiser, is just so delighted and impressed that it's reaped financial rewards. But clearly, as valuable, in fact, you know, or more valuable, has been the, the goodwill and, and the, the feedback you've been coming back into the organisation that served to help everyone's morale stay high. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think it it has been a real team effort. Um, and not just from the musicians, from the the trustees, it's it's everyone that's been involved in Reza. And I think um, you know, I think actually we 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 had decided about two years ago we'd made the 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 decision that we needed to grow our organization. And so we had been thinking the last 18 months before the pandemic came that we were you know that, that that we had plans for growth and i think because we had a growth mindset everybody was just determined to carry on working this year we, we weren't going to be defeated by covid we weren't going to be defeated by cancelling concerts and events um it was we were all going to work together just to find a way to keep going and to continue to grow because like i said earlier we didn't want to come back and then find that we've got depleted audience we want to come back and feel that we're bigger and better and I really feel that when we can open our concert doors in June that actually we'll have this new audience we won't just have the half full um, 50% capacity that we might be allowed but actually we've got a virtual audience as well that we will still continue to stream to so it's it's yeah it's been an amazing year um it's been hard work but it's been incredibly rewarding yeah um beautifully summed up Hannah, I'd just like to send huge congratulations to you and, and everybody in the whole team and, and on the board involved in, in making this happen. Seems to me that when things get more normal again, you absolutely will have achieved that ambition of not just surviving this very difficult year, but very definitely growing and being stronger and, and having a, a more vibrant and, and larger audience than you did a year ago and my goodness that is not easy in the year we've all had so 
many congratulations to you and everybody for all your hard work and all your courage and your risk taking. Uh, thank you ever so much for coming along to, sh to share the stories. I, I hope that it'll help some of our listeners to, to, to hang in there, if nothing else, and, and, and be creative and take a, a few risks inspired by some of the examples you've given. I look forward to catching up again soon, Hannah. But for now, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you so much for this fantastic opportunity to talk. Thank you. Bye-bye, Hannah. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed Hannah's examples and insights. If you found it helpful, remember to subscribe to the podcast today so that you never miss an episode. For a full transcript and a summary of today's episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. As I mentioned at the start, Hannah has been a member of our Bright Spot Members Club since the beginning of the pandemic. And so throughout the crisis, she's had access to our live weekly problem-solving sessions and masterclasses, to all my best learning bundles, and to our supportive community. If you'd like to find out more about our training and inspiration club for fundraisers, or to dip your toe in and try for just a month, go to brightspotmemberscluburcouk forward slash join. I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been spreading the word about this show on social media and to your colleagues, helping us to get this content out to as many charities as possible at a time when fundraising is so challenging. And Hannah and I would love to hear what you think about today's episode. We're both on LinkedIn and on Twitter, I am at Woods underscore Rob. Thank you so much for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising. And I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot examples with you soon. Bye.